What's up, everybody? Welcome to The 180 with Eric Lockley. I'm your host, Eric Lockley. There are moments in life that define us, that lead us to a crossroads where we have to choose one path or another. Join me as we dive into our guest's turning points. Let's laugh, heal, and be inspired together as we pull back the curtain on how our guest made the 180. Sometimes life gets hard when you're on your journey. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes, it's a big change. The 180, your life won't be the same. The 180, you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, something a little inspirational and... and Uh, semi R&B, semi gospel flavor. I felt the vibe. <laughs> great, great. Well, y'all hear her already. I've got Rhea Ball with us today. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thrilled to have you on the show, and I'm going to tell folks a little more about you. So from a young age, Rhea Ball realized that she had a passion for people specifically in the area of human rights and social justice. Even as a child, she began searching for ways to help people and had earned recognition for raising funds to cover the medical expenses for a young lady in need of brain surgery by the time she was in middle school. Wow. During her final year of high school, Rhea realized that a law degree would provide her with the best skills to work towards her goals of human rights and social justice. Rhea moved from the islands of Bermuda to the United Kingdom for college and began attending the University of Buckingham, where she earned a Bachelor of Laws. She then went on to receive a Master of Laws from the University of Law, and after completing her education, she decided to remain in the UK to build her career and began practicing law. In her professional life, Rhea has worked alongside colleagues and represented clients from all over the world. Using her expertise in immigration and asylum law, she has assisted her clients with difficult immigration issues and helped them navigate the complexities of UK immigration law. Rhea currently serves as a board member and legal advisor for a nonprofit organization that helps marginalized individuals. And recently, Rhea has returned to Bermuda, where she's continuing her work in her pursuit of helping those in need. Welcome to the 180, Rhea. Thank you for having me. Yeah. How are you today? I'm great. Excited about the podcast. <laughs> I appreciate that excitement. Um, <laughs> what time? So wait, where are you are in Bermuda right now? Actually, I'm currently in the U.S. Oh, okay. Okay. I was just just a quick trip. Just a quick trip. Okay. I was going to ask about time zones, but so what time zone are you in currently, or what time is it where you are? It is two twelve. Oh, okay. I'm th I'm at three twelve, so we're just an hour just an hour difference right now. Yeah, not too bad. Because I was going to be like, what time is it in Bermuda? What time is it in the UK? But we're relatively on the same time. Pretty much. <laughs> well, now that we've figured out the time game, it is game time. Oh boy! It's game time on the one The name of the game is Bermuda Bahama. Do you know a lot about Bermuda? We love to play games on the 180. Here we go. It's essentially some trivia about Bermuda. Okay. And don't feel bad if you don't know it, because I'm sure a lot of people don't know it, oh, even though you, know, you were born and raised in Bermuda. But no pressure. No pressure at all. Okay. So <laughs> some of them are true or false. Some of them are like, pick one out of three. Let's start with number one. What nationality is someone from Bermuda? And here are the options. I'm going to try not to laugh at any of them. 
Bermudian, American, or Bermuan? <laughs> Let's go Bermudian. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> I made up Bermudian. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, you can tell? I, I would hope so. But someone that you know, is unfamiliar might have been convinced Bermudian, Bermudian, I can't even say it, was the right answer. Number two, who sang the famous song Kokomo? I can't even say it. Kokomo. There we go. With the lyrics, Aruba, Jamaica. Oh, I want to take you. Bermuda, Bahama. Come on, pretty mama. Key Largo, Montego. Okay, I'm not going to keep going. But who sang that? Was it the Beatles, the Beach Boys, or Phil Collins? I should know this. I want to say the Mm. Beach Boys. Okay, you sure? Yes. Let's go with fancy. That is correct. I wanted to really give you a... Yes, correct. It is the Beach Boys. Were were you thrown a little by Phil Collins? No. Was that the one? Definitely not Phil Collins. I I was like, I'm going to throw Phil Collins in there. I know a few Phil Collins songs. Okay, number three. What famous writer said this quote? You can go to heaven if you want. I'd rather stay in Bermuda. Was it... Walt Whitman, Franz Fanon, or Mark Twain? Twain. Well, okay. Correct. How you you knew that right away? Like, did you did you really well, like know that you knew that? Yeah, I knew that. We studied a little Mark Twain in high school. Well, good job. All right, true or false? One of the you're gonna know this. You're gonna get them all right, and that's fine. One of the most notable books credited to a Bermudian person was the history of mary prince a slave narrative written by a bermudian woman which helped to end slavery in the british empire true or false that is true correct 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 i think i did read um history of mary prince when i studied africana studies at nyu Mm -hmm. i mean all the of the many slave narratives are really really powerful but Mm -hmm. it's notable because it has such an impact on bringing down ending slavery in the british empire definitely Definitely. Did you all study that in school, like when you in Bermuda? We didn't go into much detail, but we were mm-hmm. aware of, you know, the writing. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Next question. We're on to fashion. Here we go. Which of these things are true about Bermuda shorts? They are semi-casual attire for both men and women. Is that true or false? That's true. Correct. Yes. That's that's right. The hem, which can be cuffed or uncuffed, is around one inch above the knee. True or false? Yes, that's true. These are all correct answers. Ooh, because you know. Ooh. (laughs) All right, next. They're often worn in bright, vibrant colors at the Bermuda Day Festival every year. True or false? That is correct. True. <laughs> oh gosh. Wait, I'm, I'm only laughing. Look, I'm amused at myself. I just made that up. I just made it up. You know what threw me off was the Bermuda Day Festival. I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but I am a hundred percent sure about the colors. About the colors, yeah. I just, I just, I needed something because I researched and I was like, I need to make something up. So I made that up. Congratulations, Eric. But I'm sure people do wear them in vibrant colors. Colors for sure. <laughs> So I, I can congratulate, I can pat, pat myself on the back for successfully throwing you off. A round of applause for you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So next, next question. 
Which William Shakespeare play do some scholars claim was based on a real-life Bermuda shipwreck? Was it Hamlet, The Tempest, or The Merchant of Venice? Uh, let's go with The Tempest. Ooh. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. All right, final <laughs> question. The Bermuda Triangle is a mythical section of the Atlantic Ocean roughly bounded by Miami, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico, where dozens of ships and airplanes have disappeared. Is it bounded by Miami, Bermuda, and the Cayman Islands? It is definitely Miami, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico, the first one. It's the moment of truth. Will Rhea either do a sweep minus one question that I just tricked her with, or will she uh, miss two questions? She will have a sweep. I mean, you you knew that. Yeah, that was correct. The Bermuda Triangle is a mythical section of the Atlantic Ocean, roughly bounded by Miami, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico. And growing up in Bermuda, did you ever, like, what was your understanding of the myth of the Bermuda Triangle? Was it brought up? Was it talked about much? It wasn't talked about by locals. It's usually tourist. And my understanding was it's a myth. So, so you have never had any personal experiences with the Bermuda Triangle? Not at all. Well, you have had experience with this, this game, Bermuda, Bahama, do you know a lot of? And apparently, Rhea, you do know a lot of. So thank you <laughs> for playing with us. We give you... Mm. <laughs> we give you lots of beautiful sounds. Um, and you will get a the 180 mug. So you will get our mug for winning this game. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Now I want to just get to know you a little bit more. Are you a night owl or an early bird? I am a night owl. Definitely not an early bird. Don't talk to me too much in the morning. <laughs> and how long have you known that? Uh, I would say since university. Yeah. I would stay up super late and morning. Ooh, right. It was a struggle. Yeah. That's interesting. I feel like I learned it around that time too. Like the transition from high school into college, I recognized, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to be up until three in the morning working on stuff or just like doing absolutely you know, not avoiding then. stuff or procrastinating. <laughs> right. Exactly. But it was it was much more likely that I was going to be up at 3 a.m. than up at six or seven or eight, maybe nine. Like, yeah. Of course. Um, so I'm with you on that night owls. What is a film or TV show that you consider to be great? Or a book. I'll throw that in. A film or TV show or book that you consider to be great. Let's go with TV shows. So mm-hmm. one TV show that I really enjoyed was uh, The Wire. Mm, yes, classic. So good. It was like, it was really informative, but still entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. I would say The Wire. And you said informative and entertaining. Was there a moment... Was there a specific moment that you were like, wow, this is great, where things came together or where things fell apart that you were like, this is great? It was kind of a slow-moving show for me in the beginning, but I think once it got until maybe the second season, um, mm-hmm. I realized it's a pretty good show. Yeah, I actually, um, little known fact, I was on The Wire. I'm in the first season of The Wire. Really? As an extra. So, I mean, I'm in the background. Yeah, you'll see my little head, my big head. Okay, so which episode? I'm going to go back and watch it. Well, that's nice. I appreciate that. (laughs) I don't even know which episode because, you know, when they were filming it, yeah, I don't even know. I saw the back of my head when it came on TV and I was proud of myself (laughs) uh, years ago. 
Because that would have been like 2000, oof. Early 2000. 2003 or, or maybe even before that, 2000, yeah. So I just don't remember which episodes, yeah. But I do remember, now this was before Idris Elba was famous, you know, because it was his first season on that show and that show was a big a breakout moment for him but I remember talking to him and him being really really nice and me being surprised that he wasn't American because on the show he does such a convincing when you heard the accent right yeah and I was like what 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 <laughs> but he was really nice and I enjoyed working on that set because I'm originally from Baltimore Maryland so I was still a student then and they were looking for extras to be on the corner on the you know doing the hustle and so I was <laughs> one of those kids running around acting up but yes, The Wire is a great show. Now, what is a mythical place where you would like to live? This is one of my favorite questions. But an example is Oz or uh, I was going. I'm not a Harry Potter big fan, so I can't say Hogwarts. There we go. Um, but yeah, what's a mythical place where you would like to live? That's a good question. Yeah, and anything um, fictional from a book, from movie, from TV. You're really stumping me. Well, you know what? So I am a Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would probably check that out. Ooh, yeah, in the Star Wars universe. See what's going on over there. Yeah, I could see that being fun. Check out Baby Yoda. Uh huh, Baby Yoda. I w- I want a lightsaber so bad. As a kid, I had one of the fake plastic ones. That, you know, you press the button <laughs> and it lights up. It's yeah. like, essentially a flashlight with plastic on it. <laughs> oh yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, I've, I've probably seen all of the movies multiple times yeah so okay so realistically we're not gonna rate all of them but would you say the prequels were disappointing to you or did you do you have like love for the prequels and I, by the prequels i mean episodes one two three i think i like the prequels they were good yeah yeah okay okay yeah i mean i feel like those are the ones that get trashed most often mm-hmm. but i do think that it got better afterwards. I was just saying that. <laughs> it, yeah, there was some improvement. Rogue One. Rogue One, did you watch? So that was the one that kind of was a one-off. I'm trying to think of where it lands in the universe. It's like somewhere between, I think, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I think that's where it goes. The Star Wars universe is, too, is so huge. Yeah, it's a lot. I think I liked um, The Empire Strikes Back. That was good. Yes, The Empire Strikes Back is really great. I love all the scenes in that Iceland with the... uh, (laughs) There is some Star Wars person that is probably listening that's like, can't you tell me the name of one of these things? There's too many things to try to remember in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, it's it's a whole lot going on there. A whole lot. A whole lot. But that's a reason to be involved because like... A lot can happen really quickly, and there's always action and adventure. And there will never be a dull moment. Yes, never be a dull moment. Okay, well, we're going to continue to learn more about you as an uh, incredible lawyer, uh, social justice advocate, and uh, a person that cares deeply about people and making sure people are treated fairly and that human rights is at the forefront of our conversation. So at a very young age, you kind of started galvanizing people around a mission. So you raised money for a young lady in need of brain surgery. What inspired you to do that? So we kind of heard her. I I kind of heard her story Mm. and just thought, 
what could we do? What could I do to help? How did you hear her story? So we had a teacher who um, knew her and he told us about her. Mm. First of all, it, it really moved me. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, thought someone who's really going through something so serious could use a bit of help. Um, it's just, it really just started off um, by us coming to school every day, putting in a dollar or two, mm. a bit of my lunch money here and there. Um, <laughs> and before we knew it, we had raised quite a bit of money. Um, and then we were able to pass it on to our teacher who was then able to get it to her. Yeah. Kind of, you know, help her out a bit. But I just usually, you know, you hear a sad story or you hear a story that's really touching a movement and you realize that people are going through things. Yeah. That you don't even realize. Yeah. So those things kind of stick with me. Um, and it always makes me think, you know, like I said, what can I do to help? And so this this young lady, she wasn't, there was no proximity between you and her in terms of like, she wasn't in your class. She wasn't a teacher. She was someone that your teacher knew that you heard about. Yes. Um, no, no proximity at all. That's amazing. That's really amazing at that, at that age. Yeah. Because, you know, I remember in elementary school, there was a young lady that was in our school. And I think she was uh, two years younger than me at that point, who we rallied behind and tried to raise money for. Mm -hmm. But the fact that this was somebody that you, you didn't really know and that you were still moved to galvanize people to raise money is, is awesome. Do you feel like that may have come from things you learned from your parents or from other folks that you were around? I would say it was just something that was innate. Yeah. I don't really know where it came from. Yeah. Like I said, I... I just always remember um, anytime I hear a moving story, it would really stick with me. And it'll be on my mind. I'll think about it. Mm -hmm. So I think that was just one of those times. Yeah. So that was <laughs> that was middle school. So then at what point through your education process and learning process, did you feel like, wow, this is kind of becoming a life mission? Like at what point did you feel intentional and purposeful about helping people? Throughout my high school years, you know, I would ponder on what will be my my career, what I what, what I'm gonna pursue. And I always knew that I wanted to help people. That that was something I enjoyed. But I couldn't quite figure out how I was going to make that into a career or something that I can pursue professionally. Mm. Um, it wasn't until my senior year in high school. Um, in your senior year at my school, they will send you off with something called work experience where you would go into an area of interest mm. so that you can get some work experience and kind of see what's involved in a career in that particular industry or area. Mm -hmm. And I was stuck between, or I was kind of deciding between insurance or law. Mm. And I was only able to get a law placement. And it just so turned out that I was sent to the Department of Public Prosecution to uh, shadow some of the prosecutors. Mm -hmm. And just watching them work, looking at some of the things that they were doing and they were involved with, I thought, hey, maybe I can pursue this. And they, uh, they of course, encouraged me to pursue a career in law. Yeah. And it wasn't until I actually began studying law that I realized that it would be the perfect platform and it would give me the, the tools that I need to really make an impact in people's lives. Wow. That's incredible. So it wasn't even initially your intention. It just kind of... It, 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 it's kind of one of those things that it just works out perfectly. Yeah. 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 We are obviously in a time where discussions about diversity, inclusion, equity 
are uh, every day we're hearing various stories of people advocating for themselves, mm -hmm. renouncing white supremacy, the patriarchy, all these things. So within that conversation, how has it been navigating the world of law as a young black woman? Yeah, what what have been some tests and trials? I know I just jumped into deep, intense uh, <laughs> waters, but but if you don't mind sharing, like, what has your experience been, and what have uh, what have been some of the challenges? My experience, um, firstly in Bermuda, is that there is some diversity in law. Mm -hmm. There are quite a number of women who have been called to the bar in Bermuda, mm. um, and of course, the demographic of Bermuda is majority black. Yeah, so it was good being able to see someone that looked like me pursuing the career, doing well in that career area. Yeah. But then also on the flip side of that, women, particularly black women who um, reach certain heights in the career, once you start to look at that, the numbers begin to dwindle. Right. And it plateaus, I imagine, is like they get to a certain point and then they just stay there and you don't see them moving higher up, becoming partner or, you know, yeah. Exactly, becoming partner, things of that nature. So for me, it was it's a motivation. So I don't see it, but that doesn't rule out the possibility that it can happen for me or that it can happen for other people. So for me, it served as a motivation. Um, it made me want to work harder. It caused me to focus more yeah. um, and kind of set my sights on what it is that I wanted. Of course, I also worked as a lawyer uh, overseas in the UK. Right. So that was a different experience altogether. So there's a, a lot more diversity or a lot of different people mm -hmm. besides just black and white. Um, so it was also nice seeing that. But um, again, it just encouraged me to, to push harder to work for what I want. Yeah. And like I said, it's just served as kind of uh, ammunition. Yeah. You know? Fuel for the fire. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And it's interesting you, you brought up uh, representation and being able to see someone who looked like you in the position that you aspire to. Um, I know one of our guests, former guest, uh, Sean Rochester, he talked about growing up, being able to see teachers that looked like him and people who were good with money who, mm -hmm. who looked like Absolutely. him and who were able to talk to him about, you know, managing money because um, he's now written multiple books and has uh, a company that really focuses on how to uh, coach people through financial management and specifically black people. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, representation and being able to see people who do the thing you aspire to and do it well is so, so, so important. It makes such a difference. Yeah. Are there any folks that you that you saw as tangible mentors, people that you could touch and talk to, or even just, you know, mentors in the sense of you were looking up to them and uh, hopeful about uh, your ability to get to their level? Yeah, there were um, a few. So um, while I was still in high school, um, at the prosecution office, um, there were a number of women who, like I said, encouraged me. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, they're doing so well. They've worked so hard to get where they are. It was great to see that. And then also there is a judge who looks like me. Mm. And I had the opportunity to speak with her once or twice. And it definitely served as an encouragement yeah. for me to 
pursue those goals and stay focused on that. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, I don't, I often will be like, yay, black lawyers, black, you know, in law, but I don't think about the judges as often. And I, I that's, that's something that you, you saying that made me be like, oh yeah, it's gotta be important to have Absolutely. judges who look like you, who have, you know, who may be able to understand a cultural experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And it makes all the difference, you know, having someone that looks like you, even in the courtroom setting, mm. having an understanding of where someone is coming from. It makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. So within your experience with immigration, what's something regarding immigration in the UK in the UK that you think might surprise most Americans, whether it's who's who is involved in many immigration cases? Is there anything that you think would be surprising to Americans about immigration in the UK? I would say that um, the human rights issues that arise around immigration law, you know, in the, in the United mm. States. The thing that we're hearing so much about now is children who have been detained or separated from their parents. And, you know, when you think about those things, you just think such a horrible thing. And it's definitely a violation of human rights. So the same thing also goes on in the UK in that there are human rights issues that need to be addressed and also protected um, for these individuals who are seeking maybe seeking help or seeking to join a family member in the uk reunite with a family member in the uk um so again i would say it's it's the human rights issues yeah and what are i mean we talk about human rights issues and i think of a range of things but are there any human rights issues whether it's shelter that you think people people don't recognize as a human rights issue that we should um uplift more often Yes. So like I said, in the U.S., one thing that we keep hearing about is asylum seekers Mm. and people have a right to seek asylum. Yeah. Those those laws are put in place for a reason. Yeah. I think it will be also the same for the the U.K. Yeah. People have no right to seek asylum, to seek safety, to seek protection uh, in another state. I think those things are really, really important and should definitely continue to be protected and, and upheld. Yeah. That's so, yeah, that's something I don't think about that often, I'll I'll admit. And then what are the markers of a strong case for an asylum seeker? You know what I mean? Like, what do you have to prove? Do you have to prove that someone's after you? Do you have to prove that you're coming from a country where you would be harmed? Yeah, what are the type of things that you typically have to prove if you're seeking asylum? So generally speaking, you'd have to prove that you do indeed need the protection another state yeah and then also where you're coming from you you cannot rely on the authorities for protection there Mm -hmm. that's that it's it's a lot that goes into it but the the general the general principle is that you cannot you're there is no protection for you where you're coming from and um you know you would need the protection of another state or another country i should say yeah oh um yeah, I didn't. I did not stu- study law, but you know, I, I sh- I'll be more prepared to play one on TV if the time, <laughs> <laughs> if the opportunity presents itself. Thanks to speaking with Ria. So let's talk about a transition, a moment that feels like a 180, where things were turning around for you. You might be in it right now. It may have happened previously, but um, what is what is a 180 for you? So for me, I'm currently going through a 180. Mm. I've recently. I should say in December of last year, decided that I was going to return to Bermuda 
and continue my career. So after being in the UK for uh, four years, it was a big shift for me. Yeah. Going from one culture to the other. Right. And then going through the job search. And then also the big thing is figuring out exactly what it is that I want to do. So that was a big 180 for me that I'm still going through, like I said. And you said what is, what exactly you want to do. With that in mind, what are the options? I'm, I'm like, I'm really getting in your business now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what? yeah, what are the options? Are there immigration issues in Bermuda that you can still kind of look at that? Um, yeah, what are the options that you're exploring? Definitely. So there are definitely immigration issues that can be addressed um, in Bermuda. Um, in terms of options for myself, I definitely would be interested in pursuing immigration as well. Mm-hmm. It's very different from the UK, but there's, like I said, there still, still are options in that, in that arena. But for me, I am looking at how I can merge my passion for human rights and social justice and find the perfect area or an area that I can really do that in, mm-hmm. um, in the legal industry in Bermuda. Yeah. Hmm. I love it. I'm like, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, maybe you could do this and maybe you could do that. I, I don't know. <laughs> so with that in mind, the move from the UK back to Bermuda, was that motivated by, you know, this is where I grew up. I want to be able to give back to this culture and this space. Was that um, why you decided to move back? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was twofold for me. So one, um, just to be closer to family, mm-hmm. I lost my grandmother some uh, about a two years ago now. Hmm. And um, for me, it was an eye opener that time is limited. Yeah. And you're not going to have people around forever. Mm -hmm. So once that happened, I started to reevaluate what my values were, what it is that I wanted, what did I want every day in my life? And I knew that family was, 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 would be a part of that. I wanted family to be a part of my everyday life. Yeah. So I just started to kind of think, um, you know, how I can incorporate that and how I can make that happen. So that was one motivator to return to Bermuda. Yeah. And then the other was I grew up there. I felt like I was making an impact where I was, albeit small, but I still wanted to be able to make that impact where I come from, which is Bermuda, and, you know, see what I can do yeah. for my country. Yeah. Wow. And I love what you said about um, reevaluating your values. It, it made me go... I just had to have a hallelujah moment because um, I think that's something that especially young people, whether it's 23, 25, 30, 35, I don't know that we often think about reevaluating our values as a way to measure, you know, our progress in life. Absolutely. So that's really important. And for you to be able to reevaluate those values and decide being close to family is important to me. Family is something that matters. So I need to go back where I can be with my family is is um, is beautiful and a, and a really great reminder. Yeah. Was there anything, you, you talked about your grandma passing. Was there anything else that you feel like prompted this reevaluation of your values? Um, I think that was the major turning point for me. Mm-hmm. So initially when I, when I went over there, I was 
totally career focused. Mm. I didn't miss family. I was like, I can call them. It's no need to go see them. <laughs> I don't need to be there.、Uh-huh. I can talk to you. I can send you a message. Yeah.、Um, but like I said, the passing of my grandmother was a big turning point, specifically because、uh, when I had gone over there, I put off coming back to see her a few times.、Mm. So that Due was. Due to career? Yeah, career. I was like, oh, I can just、yeah. save a bit of money. I can go next year. I can go for her birthday. I can go for Christmas.、Right. Just kept putting it off. And、um, that was a major thing for me. Yeah. As we think about Bermuda and you know, the British culture, there are huge differences. So, like, what about your identity as a Bermudian? <laughs> did I even say that right? Did you, you, right. Did you miss? And are, and are you really grateful? For、uh, now that you're back? So, Bermuda,、um, it's a really unique culture in that it's a mix. Yeah. There's a touch of British, but then it's a huge influence from the Caribbean. So, for me, when I went to England, it was a huge culture shock.、Mm. Um, the people were different. The weather was different. The weather was different. <laughs> Everything was totally different. Yeah. So, for me, growing up in a small community where just about every day you see someone you know. Um, you're not too far from family. Going over there, I had to get used to being on my own,、mm. not、uh, seeing familiar faces every day. And you just don't have that personable vibe with people、yeah. initially. So, and the other thing is, for me, it's very friendly.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, for me, that was a huge adjustment. After a while, that was one of the things that I missed. I missed. The friendly, friendly people, friendly faces, the smiles,、yeah. the sunshine. <laughs> It was a huge adjustment and a huge、yeah. miss for me. So, going back、beaches. to the, you know, the beaches, <laughs> the, the blue water, the food. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a big deal for me.、Yeah. And because you mentioned food, and I just don't know, like I'm like, what is Bermudian food? Like, what is is there a, is there a dish that you're like? This is so Bermudian. Let's start with I'll give you two options. Okay, great. One thing that's very Bermudian is farine pie.、Huh. We eat it at Christmas time. It's sweet, it can be savory at the same time if you want to add chicken to it. Okay. Extremely Bermudian. Okay. And then the other major thing is a Bermuda fish sandwich. Ooh. I guarantee you have never had a fish sandwich like a Bermudian fish sandwich. <sighs> With all these guests, I just want to transport myself <laughs> and then go eat where they are or eat their cuisine. I tell you what, if you ever come to Bermuda, yes, I, will. I will take you to the best spot for a fish sandwich. Okay. Mmm. <laughs> that, that was the yum sound, but out of context, that was really weird. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got to experience that together. I'll, I'll do, I'll do, oh gosh, I'll do that. Let's just throw it all. I'll do、there. all of those. <laughs> right, right, right. We'll do all those because I would love that. Okay. So I'm, I'm coming to Bermuda at some point within a year or so. And we will have that fish sandwich. I, so I'm pescatarian. So I don't eat meat. Oh, that's perfect. But I do、perfect. eat seafood. So I love seafood. Perfect. So I would love to have that. I got a few spots in mind. Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, the 180. <laughs> planning my trips, planning my vacations, and planning your meals as well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> in terms of the future, I mean, I kind of, this question intimidates me. So it's good to ask other people. But where do you see yourself in five years? Like, what would be the ideal 
uh, career path for you? Um, so ideally, I would like to be, of course, making an impact in human rights and social justice. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be yeah. able to uh, influence policy that will help people, improve people's lives, set them up with a better trajectory for their lives. I definitely know that I want to be doing something in that area. Yeah. Like another thing I'm thinking about just in terms of you supporting people and your experience with immigration is with Bermuda specifically, I'm wondering, not that the answer is no one, but who's immigrating to Bermuda? Like who typically, what do immigrants, uh, where are immigrants coming from that are coming to Bermuda? So we have, a lot of our immigration is associated with uh, work. So people coming for work. Mm. We have a large Portuguese community. We also have a number of people um, from the Philippines and the UK um, coming to work. Um, So that's kind of the demographic that we have in terms of immigration. Hmm. And the relationship to the government and immigrants, what what is that like? What is that dynamic? Is there a lot of friction or people generally, you know, will I... Not will I go to Bermuda and see this, but would an extreme case instance be I'm going, I go to Bermuda and I hear people talking about immigrant rights. Is that something that people are really vocal about there or people are up in arms about there? Bermuda is, again, unique in that area in that there is uh, there is also always discussions around the balance between immigrant rights and in that people can come to work, but also balancing that with ensuring that Bermudians are also able to secure employment. Mm. People come to work, but then we also have to ensure that, you know, Bermudians are also able to get jobs. So that's yeah. that's the discussion that's usually going on um, amongst locals. And then also something that um, is also presented to the government on a regular basis. Mm. When I think about, like, the Caribbean, Bermuda, all, I think about tourism and how prominent tourism is in these, those areas. How do you think tourism affects human rights issues and, you know, uh, issues around immigration? A lot of the workers or, or people that come to work in Bermuda, uh, that immigrate to Bermuda for, for the purpose of work, they do work in the tourism industry or mm. the hospitality industry. So, of course, we have tourists coming to the island all the time. And then we also need people to work in the hospitality industry. Yeah. That includes restaurants and hotels (laughs) and things of that nature. So there has to be a balance in order to sustain those industries and then also sustain, which also in turn sustains the tourism industry. Yeah. And we got a little bit about your background, but I also I'm curious in terms of your parents and family, like you're a lawyer and, you know, advocate for human rights and um, looking at immigrant uh, issues and rights. What did they do? Did they do anything related to your same field? No, my mom is an accountant and my dad was a prison officer. Wow. My, my mom's an accountant, too. So we got that in, in common. <laughs> accountants. OK, OK. Um, and then do you, ha- do you have any siblings? I have two siblings. I'm the youngest of uh, three. So my older sister uh, works in insurance. The middle sister, the one just above me, she is in the medical industry. Wow. Okay. Okay. So yes, all very different. So insurance, medicine, and law. Right, right. Which is like, 
you Vastly got different. if I need right exactly but if I need representation we got I, you. you know I, you know right you, you got you if need I need some insurance yeah you, <laughs> one stop shop right <laughs> and you already told me you got some places where I can, some restaurants I can go to so you really helped me out <laughs> now with your father now you said he's a pr- prison officer or was a prison officer was a prison officer yes wow okay so I feel like do you think that may have influenced you at all or did you not really hear about that as a kid? You know what I mean? In terms of justice and human rights and I didn't hear much of it in terms of his his work. Mm-hmm. However, one thing that I did notice about my dad was that he's a very generous person and very caring as well. Mm. So I would see him help people out, do little things for people here and there. Yeah. And one thing thing he always told me was if you can help somebody do it. Mm. And that has always stuck with me. Message. Yeah. So I would definitely say I, I I inherited a bit of that from him as well. Yeah. If you can help someone do it. Message. Yeah, that's good. Yep. Oh, that really that actually made me emotional. Because it's, you know, I, I try to live by that too. And it's mm-hmm. it's hard, especially for a person that has uh, a big heart and wants to help everybody, mm-hmm. you know? It, it can be hard. Yeah. You, you, you kind of feel that you're pulled in this direction and that direction. Mm-hmm. And, but one thing I would say is always a sacrifice to help somebody. Yeah. But one thing that all of us can say is that there was there has been at least one person in our lifetime that has helped us out. Yes. So why not pass that on? Why not do it for somebody else? You just never know. You never know what they need, what they're going through, what impact you're going to make. And impacts are lasting. So it's not a big sacrifice just to help, you know, help where you can. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I want to end with a quote that I think is appropriate. So here it is. I've learned that making a living is not the same thing as making a life. And that's a quote from Maya Angelou. Absolutely appropriate. And it's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it seems like within your journey and within your current 180, the you know, you made that decision. You said, hey, you were making a living in the UK, but not necessarily making a life that you wanted, that you saw as, you know, something that could, you could sustain and that would be your future. And so you came back to Bermuda and now you're really looking at making a life that is something that you're being front-footed and taking an active, uh, making an active choice to say, this is how, what I want my life to be like. Absolutely. I always think if I can imagine what I want, then I might as well go for it. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you, Rhea. And uh, we want to make sure that our listeners follow you and stay connected with you. So folks can make sure to go on Instagram and follow Rhea at Miss Rhea. So M-I-S-S-R-E-A-I-A. Follow her on Instagram. See what she's up to. <laughs> Maybe see some pictures of some of those meals that <laughs> we talked about. Because now I'm curious. I'm going to be following her just to, to see. Like, oh, wait, wait. Is that the fish sandwich? <laughs> but thank you for all the work that you have done and that you continue to do to support people, to help people, and to advocate for you know a, a better world. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you all for joining us. The 180 is produced by David Treatment with audio production and editing by Mike Luno. 
Original music composed by Jarrett Landon and sung by yours truly. And digital portraits by Byron McRae. If you like what you heard, tell your friends. We need your help to spread the love and inspiration. Follow us on all social media at The180Pod and visit our website at www.the180pod.com. If you want to help support these stories, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. You can get access to chat more with me. You can also get exclusive content, merchandise, and you can hear episodes early. Visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash the180pod. Until next time, I'm your host, Eric Lockley. Take care and be blessed. Know that you'll have a blessing if you just keep on pressing. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes, it's a big change. The 180, your life won't be the same. The 180, you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180.